0: We just need to make sure that clients or anyone listening to this that don't get hung up with you have to train your dog every day, like hard style boot camp, hectic training. Unlike, obviously, there's trainers out there that do it. Like Kristen, if you've ever seen Kristen's training, she is so dedicated to training her dog. It's insane. And I admire it. Like I'm like, oh, my God, that's like you're a whole new level. But... (laughs) Her, like, she has a dog that needs it as well. Like she yeah, has she's a got a mallow,
1: yeah.
0: It's not a normal breed <laughs> that you would have in the house. So, don't get hung up on, oh, my mm. God, like, dog's too much work. I'm just going to rehome it or put it in the yeah, rest exactly. of the
2: Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast
1: all right we're back another episode of life with your dog and today we've got joining us Kana wrench who is the head trainer at canine evolution thanks for joining us Kana.
0: hi guys how are you we're
1: good, good. how you doing
0: yeah good just um excited to do the podcast with you guys and have a chat and see what's going on
1: thanks for coming on so um so just to explain for the listeners, so. Uh, you're the head trainer at Canine Evolution and that is Glenn Cook's company um, and Glenn's been on our podcast and you know teacher and mentor of both Panos and I and pretty much anyone in Sydney who's a legitimate dog trainer so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself how you got into dogs um, and we'll we'll start from there.
0: Yeah. so um, obviously I've always been in love with animals which I'm sure everyone says when they say <laughs> they train dogs um, it's very normal Hopefully. but you would yeah.
1: want to like them if you're going to work with them <laughs> seven days a week
0: oh but i just don't like them i just work no um so i started out obviously um just working in pet shops when i was younger things like that then i went into vet nursing and i found that i didn't really like that side of the animal industry because obviously mm. you're seeing a lot of sick animals and not really healthy and it's a little bit sad and things like that so i i Still wanted to stay in the industry, but I was like, what can I do? So then I ended up going into zookeeping, which then obviously in zookeeping, you do a lot of like conditioning work with um, Tasmanian devils and things like that to get. Whereabouts them. was that?
1: Yeah, I never knew that. So, which yeah, that?
0: so I worked at the reptile park um, for about two years, just casual. Um, to start off with, I started as a volunteer for obviously to do the certificate three in captive animals. You have to do work placement. And then I kind of were like, this is kind of cool training these animals. And then I ended up being like, maybe I want to do another certificate. And that's when I looked into the NDTF course, which then I met Glenn. I met all the people down at um, the Dural Pet Resorts where they hold the NDTF. And then I was kind of like, I really want to work with dogs. Um, but it didn't all happen straight away. So
2: when I was that, to- Keena? When did you sign up for NDTF? Mm-hmm
0: think about five or six years ago so I've done it twice so it sounds really funny that I've done it twice but when I first started I didn't have my own dog so I was using um just a friend's dog and then that dog ended up passing away right at the end when I taught it it's complex skills that I hadn't been able to film or anything like oh, that hmm. so That's then sad. I Yeah, so I got to the end of the course. I did all my practicals, my block one, my block two, passed all that, but then didn't have a dog. So I kind of was like, I'll probably just wait a little bit until I can see if I can get another dog or what can happen because you can't just pull dogs from anywhere. Um, And then I ended up just working in the animal industry in like another pet shop type of place. And I was like, I went to the army. So I went to the army. I was like, I'll go into dogs there wasn't really my cup of tea and then I came back out of the army and I was like no I really want to work with dogs through like the pet resorts and through canine evolution
2: how long in the in the army
0: mm. um only like two three months like okay. I went in and I was like nope not for me and then mm. left
1: <laughs> you so, dipped your toes and got the hell out of it
0: yeah and obviously it's one of those things you don't really know what it's like until yeah, you get there um, for sure have like a lot of friends there and stuff, but not really for me. So I just left. Um, and then I was like, I'm going to finish the NDTF. Re, um, like went into it, started all again, did my block one, did my block two again. And that's when Glenn, I think, was like, okay, she's obviously super keen because she's doing it twice. <laughs> and then I started going to seminars. So I did like the Jay Jack and the Chad Macken, um, the Mike, subtle ones before i was even a trainer so i was doing all of these things just being the little nervous person in the background not really knowing anyone um and then i applied for a job at the resort and then i ended up getting it and then here we are so i i got the take the, the takeaway
1: at- is if you want to get a job you got to do the ndtf twice before glenn notices you <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> no, it's just obviously I knew all the trainers for Canine Evolution have their NDTF, and I know mm. that's a massive thing with Glenn. He does like them to have that under their belt. So I was like, I'll do that. I did do some volunteering at the Terrible Pet Resort just to show people I was keen, and then job came up, applied, and then here I am. So that's that awesome. was three and a half years ago. So. I've been here for a little bit now um, and obviously worked my way up from junior trainer to then like senior trainer and then just recently become head trainer of Canine Evolution. So now I'm working within all of our boarding facilities. So obviously we have the pet resorts, Terrigal and Jewel that we started in and then we have now like moved out into different boarding facilities, so Barnstone down at um, Northern Beaches and then SPL Sydney Petlands, which is at Dural as well. So we work within them too. And then I don't know if a lot of people have heard, but we've just opened another pet resort at Ingleside. Um, So that's our third pet resort that we're now working in. So we're um, just starting to kind of get our way into all different type of boarding kennels, resorts, things like that just to kind of get Canine Evolution's name out and about.
1: Mm. And Pet yeah. Resorts is now the biggest boarding company in the country, if I'm not mistaken, right? Pretty sure. I think
0: so. Um, yeah. Obviously, because Canine Evolution and Pet Resorts were um, diff- separate entities, so yeah. we're the training side. Um, but we obviously started with Pet Resorts to start off with mm. before we and started
1: to, to clarify for the listeners as well, so Glenn like runs the Sydney arm of the NDTF, and then he's also obviously your boss and Canine Evolution is his company, but he's also the general manager for pet resorts overall as well.
0: Yeah, so we're all intertwined obviously with the pet resorts um, and then we went out into other kennels as well. So, um, and then obviously- Yes, very busy, but it's good. Um, so we're kind of covering obviously Central Coast with the Terrible Resort and then Sydney area. Um, and then obviously we also like I help Glenn with the NDTF program. Um, so I'm his second teacher for that. So that's a lot of fun. Busy, that's awesome. but that's obviously how I met Luke.
1: You teach on the days when Glenn is going motorbiking. (laughs) Yes. No. Yeah. No, also, like half the course is taught by you. So, yeah, for the practicals. So,
0: yeah. So, that's it's pretty fun. It's interesting getting to meet, like, obviously, 16 students every block and then watching Mm. them see what they do. So, if they obviously open their own companies or if they're already working within the pet industry and just getting qualified. Um, Yeah. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. you guys got absolutely um pumped with ndtf last year right as well because of the covid situation like originally i was supposed to go to melbourne and then to do it and then um through Panos, you know introduced me to glenn and glenn's like yeah no worries like just come and do it in sydney because of the, the whole border thing was a whole mess um and that would have happened for a lot of people right like a lot of people who were supposed yeah. to go to melbourne or elsewhere and whether or not they were from sydney like <clears throat> like on our course, there was people who'd come from South Australia who were supposed to go to Melbourne and stuff like that. It was a real runaround. So, you guys were doing like what, twice as much as you probably would have?
0: Yeah. So, in, so usually we do like one, like one a month. Um, and then last year, we ended up doing like two a month. So, it yeah, was wow. like yeah, back to back. Um, and obviously, with that type of stuff, it's not as easy as just like sitting down and teaching like I have to make sure that I have enough dogs for the students So, making sure that they're all there for the eight days the students are there, and then blocking out time for us to have the shed and things like that. So, it was very busy, but it was done.
2: Hey, for, for any list um for the listeners that are listening, um, because a lot of yep. people can be hesitant to take their dog to a board and train. Um, obviously, you know, we're discussing before we went on, on air, you know, there's certain places that are probably not as reputable because, you know, um for whatever unprofessional reasons. But um, you know, what would you say to somebody who's on the fence about, oh, I don't really want to like send my dog away and to get trained? You know, like what what is it, what's general advice that you give to people that are a little bit unsure about it?
0: So obviously, like, I understand, like, we're strangers to people, but we always like to make sure that they understand that the dogs and obviously the cats, but dogs for me because I'm training the dogs, um, the best interest is in our hearts. And we obviously do a lot of, like, pup dates, um, meaning we're, always liaisoning with the client through photos and showing them videos of the training and then also their boarding and things like that. They're welcome to come have a tour of the facility to see where the dogs um, obviously exercise, sleep. Um, So we're very transparent. There's none of this. Obviously, you can't come behind gates and things like that. We just want to make sure that they can always count on us to do everything correctly. And we're very transparent. And I think that's the biggest difference between us as trainers and also facilities is we're not going to hide anything from the client so Mm. we're always going to make sure that they understand that um, they're getting weight weights every three days to make sure that we're watching their weights Um, they get health checks every three days as well so we're always checking them they're matched so a lot of boarding kennels we find don't match their dogs with friends so if they're a little bit nervous about them coming, we always like to make sure that they understand that if they are social and happy to go in a room with another dog, that will match to the like age and temperament and size of the dog to make sure that it has a buddy for the night. Um And we just, yeah, we're just very thorough with everything that we do and make sure that the client feels very at ease as well. Mm,
2: yeah, it's awesome. What do
1: you think separates a good kennel from a bad kennel?
2: Um, Well, obviously, you know, for the listeners who know, maybe we've mentioned it before, I worked at pet resorts as well, like some 10 years ago. So I guess that's some time ago now. Um, And I know how professional everything is. Everything's in in good order. And and it was really good fun working out there. Um, And I have worked at a few different ones since then. I think, you know, people, as you said, you know, have to, um, if they've been allowed, if if you're not allowed to see behind the scenes, then, you know, there should be something sus about it. Um, You know, and I guess what would separate it, I guess, is, you know, looking at people's reviews um, and, you know, getting other... Look, I recommend pet resorts to people that, knew, like we used to do um, minding at our house, but now everyone that used to, since my my son was born, we've been sending them all up that way. So I guess if people were to trust me, well, then I guess they would then be trusting you guys as well. Um, yep. A lot of people don't know what to look for and they do get stressed out. Mm-hmm. They think, you know, the kennel's the worst place, but, you know, something that I know about pet resorts is, and I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, those kennels are quite large and they have like four, you know, three to four dogs in each kennel. And, you know, those dogs are playing the whole time if they're playing they're sleeping or they're hanging out and they have a good time genuinely um you know and i think and one thing that i do tell my clients as well and and look and it can be a little bit more costly but you know if they do if people do offer a a training program to get the extra training for the extra enrichment they may not need the training but well look every dog always needs extra training and for maintenance or whatever but it's good for that extra enrichment get that one-on-one time with the person as well and one thing that I that I did remember when we were out there, because someone was renovating their house for a year and they couldn't have their dogs, so they had both their dogs in the kennels for the whole year, and um, yep. every single time they would come to meet the dogs because every like once a week they want to come see the dogs. Those dogs wouldn't recover for three days. They were so anxious, so riddled because they were happy dogs. But as soon as the owners came back to like play with them for the hour and go for a walk and do whatever. And then came back, the dogs would have to start from day one again, almost. And, um, and I, I was the one to tell them maybe it's probably a good idea not to come and see your dogs. And <laughs> they didn't really understand, but I'm like, look, it's, it's like, you can come obviously, you know, um, I ran that through management if I was allowed to say that, but, um, you know, the dogs just the dogs have a good time when they are there because they get to socialize and as long as the place is clean and and you know there are certain places where two things can happen it's either they get neglected because one thing i guess is another important thing if people are looking for kennels is you know what's the staff like you know are they long-term staff are they the people that have been there for a while um and if there's a high turnover of staff then there's probably a reason with the yeah. culture there but also there was one place I worked at where there was just backpackers there. They would just come, clean the kennels, do whatever. But then every three weeks is a new new um, staff member and we have to retrain them, which means that they didn't really know much about dogs. They didn't know if the dog was looking a bit off. How do you know if a dog's off if you're not hanging around dogs all the time? So, yeah. you know, and these are other things as well that people should be asking, um, like, you know, um, and maybe doing an interview on – because you guys are probably interviewing them about their dog and everything, but yeah. then people should be interviewing the, the the kennels as well and not just to assume they have a good sign and, and a good um, landscape that yeah. everything's running above board and I think that's really important. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, 100%. Like obviously if you're not with dogs and you don't have a background with being with dogs, you don't. they can't turn around and tell you what's going on, so you need to be mm-hmm. able to pick up that obviously little thing that they're doing differently that they were doing yesterday and things like that. So that's, we get a lot of clients that are like, oh, how long have you been here? And how long, like we have Olivia that work, has been working with us for 11 years. Like she's been there <laughs> for so long. Um I love Olivia, we,
2: we work together. We, we, we still yeah. keep in contact <laughs> from time to time. She's awesome.
0: She's so good. And we, we're we always like, we take in obviously student um working experience as well, which is good because they're coming from background of, like, animal husbandry. They're studying to do either vet nursing or a companion animals and things like that, as well as our normal regular staff that are working there. So we always have very high-qualified staff on. Um, and I think we, like, a lot of boarding um, facilities as well don't actually have qualified trainers, which sets us apart because... We can take those little bit harder to handle nervy dogs that yeah. make turn around and react because we know how to approach that instead of just being like, no, nope, like that's too hard basket. And then sometimes those people are like, well, what are we meant to do? Like mm, do we exactly. foam it or do we just like take it to the pound because it's too hard? Um, and we find that we get a lot of dogs that come that, might be scared of people but we're like that's fine we can handle it mm-hmm. it's just obviously making sure that we know what we're doing with those breeds and things like that so 100% people should be also asking us what we're doing and things like that we're not just always asking the questions of is your dog social all mm-hmm. that conversation between client and employee i guess yeah totally
2: mm-hmm. one thing i know yeah. oh, you robert okay. one thing i this noticed is- when i worked at um at Um, at at the shelter i was there for about two years maybe before i started working at pet resorts is that like the style of dogs that you see there behavior wise breed wise compared to now um, when then when i started working at pet resorts for that little time was like the dogs are so different i'm like what the hell is that breed i haven't seen so many different you know like designer breeds or like the oodle type of breeds because you're not going to see them generally at the shelter and um and that was one thing as well but another good thing about Um, Like, so having that experience in the kennels was good because, you know, working with dogs um, in my own practices, you can tell if a dog, okay, first of all, if you're like fitting a collar on a dog and he's he's acting a little bit weird, or if you smell a funny smell, like little things like that, you know, the dog's got an ear infection or something's happening with your back, right leg. And you pick things up before the owner even picks it up and they've owned that dog for five years, but you know, you're getting that feel for the dog and really understand their body language, knowing how they react in certain experiences, especially when you see a dog being in the kennel fresh and complete, like, you know, he's not going to act the same way that he does at home in a familiar environment. And that's really important to have, like, you know, really skilled people working in in kennels as well. Mm. And then for you guys, like, I guess over the years, Glenn's become,
1: you know, sort of built himself, his business up sort of dealing with a lot of like aggressive dogs and difficult dogs. And I guess, you know, you being his head trainer, you end up dealing with a lot of those dogs as well because pet resorts and canine evolution within you know pet resorts sort of attracts ends up attracting those dogs I'm sure because you know these owners are talking to each other. So give the listeners a bit of a rundown on the sort of typical dogs that you're dealing with. I guess you've you've become quite handy at dealing with these sort of you know quote unquote difficult dogs as well.
0: Yeah so obviously being the head trainer, I've done a lot of work with um, your difficult dogs as everyone calls them but I just call them spirited Um, (laughs) they're not like there's no bad dogs like that's it's one of like the biggest things I always like to preach is
1: that's a Tom Davis thing
0: yeah like I'm like obsessed with him but there's no bad dogs so like we don't want people to think that like oh our dog's too aggressive or um too nervy or too unpredictable to, for us to go away to holiday because that puts a lot of stress on clients. Like the mm. amount of clients that I work with that have these reactive, aggressive type of dogs, they are so stressed about obviously taking their dogs anywhere or are they able to leave to go to a wedding or go anywhere because their dog may turn around and bite someone or bite another dog. So a lot of like and there's no one breed. So a lot of people are like, oh, what breeds are they mostly? Any dog can show aggression and mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing I need to preach to a lot of people is, like, it's not the Wheelers, it's not just the Staffies, mm-hmm. it's not just all of the breeds that have the poster of being aggressive. It can be the Cavoodles, it can be the Sausage Dogs. They're a massive one. Oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what is it with all Sausage the
0: Dogs? <laughs> Always try and get me. Um, but they just need to know that, obviously, in a facility where they do have handlers that are trained to Work with behavioural issues. That that's probably the best place for them to go. So I've worked under Glenn with a lot of of his aggressive um, clients and things like that that I've watched. And then obviously that's dripped down into me. And then now I've trained Kristen the same way, who was my second um, like second hand of Canine Evolution. Um, so we kind of just we don't really like to. Discriminate on those dogs coming to boarding. Technically, they may need to pay, obviously, a handling fee, meaning the trainers only to handle them because we don't want to put them in a situation where they feel threatened by, say, a staff member that doesn't have as much behavioural reading on them. Experience, yeah, yeah, like because the big thing I like to say to people is, yeah, that dog might bite me, but at the end of the day, that doesn't bother me. It's more the dog ending up having a bite history mm. and ruining. ruin ruin its life with the family Mm. because a lot of the time you tell the client oh yeah it did nip me and they're like oh my god I'm so sorry and you're like it's fine Like
2: you didn't bite me it's all good
0: Mm. yeah I'm (laughs) like (laughs) it's fine like it's not an issue but to them it kind of taints their perception of their dog then so Mm. well the dog
1: was aggressive in that moment the behaviour was aggressive it doesn't necessarily mean that the dog is aggressive like on any given day any dog could be aggressive
0: exactly so like my own dog if pushed in certain situations would be aggressive towards me and i know that and that's the biggest thing i need to preach to clients and obviously people listening to the podcast that like you're like we're happy to take them obviously if safe and you pay the handling fee and we can get around and things like that um and that not every dog will be aggressive in a new environment mm. but they as well. So, we get a lot of dogs that come in that don't have any issues, but new environment, little bit scared, they will show fear. And then, mm-hmm. if pushed the wrong way, can come out as aggression. And that's not sure. abnormal for new environments. um
2: In fact, it should be expected, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what a big thing we like to tell clients is like, your dog might not act exactly how it is at home. It's a new environment. It's might be a little bit uncomfortable and it might shut down be a little bit fearful but two or three days in it's going to turn into itself again it just yeah. needs to understand that it's not in a situation that is harmful to it or anything like that um, they're,
1: they're dogs ultimately like they're not toys yeah. they're not you just yeah. to take the batteries out of them when whenever you don't feel like you know dealing with whatever their whatever behavior they're displaying like mm-hmm. ultimately they are prey animals like they will they will yeah, are they a lot do of have animals. the ability. Exactly. We've just domesticated them. They have the ability to bite. They've got a mouth full of teeth and they
0: and, still have the DNA. The DNA has not changed just because they sleep on our bed. Exactly. Like the biggest 900%. thing. So, like that's obviously I can't pick like what type of breed I work with that it shows aggression or anything like that. But obviously, that is my specialty within the team is behavioral issues so I do work with all I call them little bitey dogs Um, Mm -hmm. and it's and it's great to watch obviously when they first meet me they don't like me but after a while then we become best friends Mm -hmm. because they understand like I'm not there to hurt them or put them in a situation that they need to feel threatened anymore so
2: if there's there's any trainers that like you know out there on their own listening is that you know you should be um you know um liaisoning with you know certain places that do board and train because there are are certain dogs that i do send up to um to you guys because i feel that yeah we've we've got a good head start on 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 a few things but for example if the handler skills aren't like or the owner skills aren't up to scratch and you feel like with that dog needs a bit more of an intensive sort of socialization um program i say look go up there get some good work, and then whether you continue doing training with the girls or or the guys, or if their dog comes back, because we do train a very similar way. We've all been educated the same way. Everyone's got their different spin on it. Um, And that's happened, you know, quite a bit over the years as well. And I don't think that's a bad thing if there are any trainers listening to say, to think that, oh, you can't work with all dogs and there's a bit of an ego attached to it, you should be able to say, look, Get them to help out because we're all working together in this as well. Mm. And especially if you do resonate with with a certain same techniques, same commands, so, you know, using markers and everything else. If you if you resonate yeah. on the same page, you know, um, I do. Rec- you know, because we do have listeners all around the world. Is you know, get in touch with these people. Whether it, they may not be the closest, but get out there and and try to find these people. I think that's a really good bit of advice f- for everyone out there. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. Obviously, like. For new trainers or trainers that are out there and things like that, like it's hard for people that don't have the facility to do board and trains because it, as you were saying with the handler, a new client trying to learn how to work with a reactive dog or something like that, it can be hard. for them. They're learning too as, long, mm. as well as the dog. So having a place that they can go to get in some foundations yeah. and then go back into the environment with the foundation so they understand is super important. For the end goal, and exactly. sending them to other train like you should never be like oh no this is my client and I'm going to get if mm. you can't do what you need to do for that dog mm. send it off put
2: the dog first yeah work together yeah. you know
1: e- the- yeah ego yeah. never ego never helped anyone when it becomes a, a bad thing like that like you know put, set it aside like if it's if you're
2: if you're out of your depth. It, put the dog first, you're better mm. off sending it to, out, referring it out to. And then there's some places as well, like some clients, they've seen like six different trainers and they are yeah. so much more confused than anything because mm. they're like, one person said this, the other person said that, yeah. the other person said this. And I'm like, look, we should just start from fresh and let's just go right from the foundations up again. And look, and I think there's pros and cons to everything, but making sure that the trainer is somebody who's, as Luke said, you know, putting the dog first and understanding that, um, you know, you may, people or like, for example, when we were doing mining, we we're just doing it at our, at our house and there was times where there were like 10 dogs in the yard having a good time, but there were certain dogs that um, I wouldn't allow, um, so, you know, certain dogs that I knew would be a bit of a problem, whether it was me or my wife handling the dogs or if dog on dog issues. Um, so then, you know, having someone to refer to is really important, but also in, on, in saying that on the Canine Paradigm, I was listening, it was quite a while ago, maybe last year, the year before they were talking about um, having like your mum just come and look after the dog can be a bit bit of a or like your friend or your neighbor or whatever can be a problem because you know they're someone leaves it. the dog yeah well not even that they leave the door open they don't know if there's some health issues starting to arise and all these different little things that happen where being at the kennel can sometimes be the safest place for, mm. for a lot of dogs. Um you know and mm. and a lot of the times people don't want to have to let that up and be like no nah, my dogs in the, if, and if like we were doing pet sitting as well so we weren't going to the we're going to the house but you got to recognize that well there for an hour and a half you know two hours max in that twenty-four hours of the day, so where being in the kennels can can also be a better place yeah. for the dog. So you know, depending on the dog, got good, like good access to vets and all that kind of stuff. Hundred percent
1: groomers on site, like all the it's it, it's a facility like yes. it's set up for
2: it. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's that's important for uh, other people because you know a lot of people think oh you know can always where dogs get the kennel cough or you know they and look and things like that can happen as well, but. You know, um, just Joe Blow down the street going, "Hey, don't worry, I'll look after your dog." And they leave the freaking door open, and the dog runs down the street and gets by a car or whatever. Um, or there's some festering infection that no one knew about. Like there's so many things as well that um, that need to be um, considered. So yeah, that's what I reckon. What's a what's yeah. a well, what 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 does it look like a day in the life of of, of in your position?
0: Um, so it's changed a little bit now because obviously I'm trying to get to all of um, the resorts that we're. Servicing and that we're in to help with the girls' training and making sure that they're all up to scratch and helping with the difficult dogs and things like that on every site. But usually, it's get in, start training dogs. We have so we book. Um, we have different type of lessons, so we have private lessons, which is on site at the resort. Um, then we also have the option of home consultations, where we come out to the home environment, so that can send me. Double Bay, Rose Bay, over the, like Cronulla, like I go everywhere, Newcastle, I'm happy to travel. It doesn't bother me because um, I'm obviously based on the Central Coast, but my headquarters is in Dural. So I travel about an hour and 30 there. and back every day anyway when I'm going to Dural. Um, and then we do pop dates, so training updates, videos, things like that. Um, socialization through daycare and training so we also have the option of the dog that comes in for daycare can add on training so that may look like just trick training or obedience training for the day or they're coming to learn how to make friends with the daycare dogs things like that Um, then we've got different type of like emails and inquiries that we have to get to Um, NDTF is a big part of it as well depending if that's on one week, um, seminar setups, things like that. So super busy type of training. A lot of people think you just train your dogs and then that's it, but you've got to make sure that you have a plan figured out for that dog. So different um, training packages that we have in Canine Evolution. So we have like our essential, which is our basic package. So just puppy basics or manners, sit, sit, stay, things like that. And then you have your three to five weeks, which are, your more complex aggression or your like high aggression type of cases. So, um, doctor dog or human aggression, um, or reactivity, things like that. Um, and that obviously changes what we need to do day to day with like we may muzzle train, we may look at crate training, we may look at um, doing desensitization, counter conditioning, all of that type of stuff. So, it's a lot, but now I obviously try and get to the training of that type of stuff but I'm also teaching the girls because we obviously have someone up at Terrigal um someone in our Barnstone and our Ingleside someone at our Dural and our um Sydney Petlands so teaching them how to work with the difficult dogs as well because you don't the only way to build up experience with those type of dogs is through experience of those type of dogs so people are like Teach me how to deal with an aggressive dog. I'm like.
1: He's an aggressive dog.
0: Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Like it's not something you can read from a book or mm. um, watch on YouTube. Like you can definitely get tips and things like that, but you don't really know how you're going to react in that situation until you're there and you know what the dog's going to do and things like that. So making sure that I'm having time to like work with the girls with those dogs. Um, to, mo- is- to
2: motivate the motivators. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly.
0: Train, yeah. Train the trainers. Um, and then we do, um, group classes as well as one of our things too. So we have a lot of things going on at a lot of our resorts. Um, at the moment we've just opened up a new reactive class at our dual resort. So we get a lot of dogs that obviously get frowned upon when walking and things like that, cause they're barking and they're lunging and they're obnoxious and Then the owner feels like, oh, God, I can't take my dog anywhere to practice my training. Mm. Um, But now we have, like, a big group of reactive guys that are learning how to be calm around other dogs and other people but not being in a controlled environment.
1: I was at the cafe this morning and there was a little Frenchie and it was barking. <clears throat> and then there was another dog, I can't remember what it was, someone walked past another little puppy thing and then they were sort of barking at each other and the two owners were sort of joking like, oh yeah, like I never take, I can't take him anywhere, like uh, he hardly ever leaves the house and it was like sort of broke my heart a little bit. I was like, fuck, you know, uh-huh. it's kind of sad, like they were sort of just laughing it off and I, I was just sort of sitting there watching them. I was like, it's actually really sad, like, you yeah. know, like, y- y- you could do something about it, like.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's the big thing with dog training is it's kind of unless something dramatic happens. A lot of the time, no mm-hmm. one does it.
2: Mm-hmm. So- so with anything, right? You know, you wait for your leg to be split open before you think maybe mm-hmm. I should try to get this fixed. Right?
1: You wait till yeah. you've got ten kilos to lose before yeah. you think maybe I should lose few kilo. Yeah,
2: it's like, you know we are reactive in our know, <laughs> yeah. ways. Yeah, that's just human yeah. nature. Yeah.
1: So you tra- you yourself now that you're head trainer. Kana, head trainer Kana, Um, are you training less dogs personally yourself? Is it more like training the trainers now?
0: Um, it's, I won't allow that because I'm like, my obviously whole passion is to train yeah. dogs, watch them change. So it is a little bit of a juggling act at the moment, but I do get away with obviously making sure that I'm always with the clients that need the most attention of like the aggressive dogs and things like that. So I'll make sure that they're getting what they need from me um, mm. being obviously the most experienced with aggression and things like that in the team. Um, but it's great that I do have the flexibility now that I'm head trainer to be like, okay, I need to be here on this day. And then I can move one of the girls around mm. and things like that. So not really like I am kind of, but to train them i need to train the dogs anyway so it's kind of mm-hmm. like a good little thing i have going um yeah, awesome but it's just obviously trying to be at different resorts at different times so mm,
1: just battling to- sydney traffic
0: yeah and that the was good biggest- <laughs> <laughs> okay sure. So- <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks glenn so-
2: <laughs> you heard uh, us brother get it for her.
0: <laughs> yeah so no not really like i i am obviously very in Mm. all the training that's happening. Um, but it's just a juggling act at the moment with it because it's very busy. A lot you of, you a were lot saying
1: of, just before we started recording as well, like um, so people probably don't know, like during, because off-peak you guys can co, what's the word, like co-board dogs within their kennels. Um, yeah. Or, or sorry, like, oh, sorry, at Christmas they have to co-board, right, because it's so busy. Yeah. But obviously you can't put an aggressive dog with another dog. So the aggressive dogs have to come outside peak time to be, to be boarded and trained. So right now you're saying you're dealing with a lot more of those dogs because the Christmas rush is finished.
0: Yeah. So obviously in peak times, we can't really have like one room that could fit like three or four dogs with an aggressive dog Mm -hmm. taking that room and things like that, especially with people needing to go away and things. Um, So, coming into our off peak which is now we've got a lot of the dogs that we've done assessments with and they are needing obviously their three or five week training to work on dog aggression or human aggression things that like that in so we are super busy with all of our more difficult dogs um but this is like my favorite time because they're the ones that you learn the most from Mm. more than obviously your little puppies and things like that. You can learn a lot from puppies, but definitely not my favorite.
2: <laughs> yeah. How about Very... um how how often do you reckon dogs get out on average for training? In the kennel. one so, well, yeah.
0: <laughs> so in like our facility, we it depends on what the dog is needing. So we say we do two 20 minute sessions, but depending on the dog, it may be broken down into five-minute sessions or mm-hmm. the 40 minutes just because some dogs may do something amazing in that five minutes and we don't want to stay out there for the dog to be like, oh, my God, this is boring and then for end sure. on another um, Or they might not be able to keep focused for that long period of time. So usually we say um, four 10-minute sessions or two 20-minute sessions or really what the dog needs. So depending on what's happening and things like that, We'll always make sure that they get their 40-minute session, um, but it may be broken up into different sessions throughout yeah. the day. Um, and then, obviously, with the boarding side, they get out depending on the package that they pick for their play times as well. So they are super busy, and then if they're boarding socially, they're always goddamn playing. So we yeah. find when they go home, the owners are like, they're just sleeping, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's a- <laughs> like a sleepover party where we have no control because they won't let listen to us when we tell them to go to bed. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's pretty funny though because they're like they've been asleep for two days and like yeah, <laughs> recovering. Yeah, they're like, oh my god, that was the best.
2: So- Do you ever take dogs off site? Like, so if the dog was like chasing cars or or dealing with like crowds and things like that, you would take a time out. Like the trainers would take time out of their day to get out a more busy environment.
0: Yeah. So. It's a little bit hard because where we are in Dural, it's easier for obviously Terrible and things like that because mm-hmm. they're just down the road. No. Um, but obviously at Dural where I mainly train, um, we do go out the front where it's a pretty busy highway where there's bikes, things like that. But we also have the great um, like working with the NDTF students. So I don't know if Luke. Would remember, but if we have any dogs that are having issues with like crowds or people or men with hats and things like that, we'll just pick students and we're like, Come on, we need to work around this new crash dummy, thing. yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, I won't let anything happen.
2: But, <laughs> Put a bite, you know, no,
0: no. yeah, you
1: took me down to the kennels, and that was that big Roddy that was down in there,
0: Lewis, my big baby, Lewis. he's been rehomed
1: now. Oh, oh nice, happy, yeah, he's
0: got, yeah, big, nice home, so yeah, like. We do obviously work with what the clients are needing. So we have, obviously, at Drill the amazing training shed, which has absolutely everything in it you could possibly think of for mm, training. Yeah, it's a great um, great facility. And then if we're, like, if they're chasing cars and things like that, we have the front. Um, we have the, obviously, opportunity to work with socialisation through our daycare, which is really good because most of our daycare dogs are very social and we know them from, them coming back every week for years and years so we can trust them for socialisation. Um, and then with the opportunity of home consults, we do go to parks and beaches to work on, obviously, if they're chasing things at the beach or not doing a good place or sit stay at a cafe, mm-hmm. which is lots of fun because then we That's just awesome. get to work at the cafe <laughs> for the day, right? Um, working. but yeah, so, Yes, working. Mm. Um, so we do have all of that type of stuff available. And then the groomers, it's good to have the groomers on site to help with desensit- desensitisation with like blowers, clippers, noise,
1: yeah.
0: all For
1: that. Sure. As, so yeah, it's it's
0: awesome. good, The whole idea of a resort is like a resort to have all everything. In one, of, yeah. Yeah, there. So
2: yeah, it's good to why.
1: know. Was, we were saying before, um, like, you know, any dog can be aggressive given the right or the wrong circumstance, I guess. Um, obviously, when you're bringing these dogs in, you 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 sort of interviewing the owners. What do you think is a lot of is a fairly common theme in terms of causing these behaviors in these dogs? Is it like early exposure issues, critical period, that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah. So a lot of it is obviously owners that just don't have the knowledge, mm. and it's not their fault. They're just you don't know until you know is yeah. a thing. Um, and then obviously. The big battle between dog trainers and vets with not letting them out for early socialisation and habituation and things like that because of vaccinations is a massive one. Um, And then I find a massive one that um, is happening is biological fulfilment. So, like, a lot of dogs aren't getting what they need. No enrichment, yeah. Yeah, all those shitty behaviours are coming out in chasing cars or nipping people when they run past or lunging and barking and they're like, why are they doing this? So we need to break down what's happening obviously in their life and what they're getting. And then a lot of the time we find it's they're just not getting what they need, Mm -hmm. fades away a lot of the time. But it's just it's with that type of thing, I guess it can be all of the things Mm -hmm. because you just don't really know. It comes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like it kind of trickles into each one like socialization into habituation early like critical period then they're not getting because they go to puppy school and puppy school is about socialization but it's not the most Mm -hmm. correct socialization Mm -hmm. and then a lot of the time they don't tell them where to go from here so like border collie should be doing herding so maybe going to herding classes or um, having like your pity or your roddy maybe doing like bite work or um, GRC type of stuff to keep it enriched because sitting in the backyard is definitely not going to be enough for any
2: A yeah, walk once a week will do. Isn't that right?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, I walk them and I'm like, that's great. That's, that's good. Like great. I don't even walk my dog. Like everything's through training right. and, mm. yeah, like it's, I don't, like the only That was going to I be my through.
2: next question, actually. Before you go into it, is tell us a little bit about your dog, and also how we're all about giving dogs do a job. So tell us, tell us how how do you fulfil your dog and and your age of your dog and things like that.
0: Um, so I have a little rescue Kelpie named Noodle. Um, she's three. She's awesome. Um, she's the best. I've met her. She's, she's cool. She's crazy. She's, we
1: used her as the as the dummy when we um. When we had to do the animal husbandry part of NDTF, mm-hmm. kind of like got her out and, and washed her. And that yeah. was like our, that was our lesson. <laughs> <I> was <laughs> Washing like, noodle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, so like, as I was saying, I don't walk noodle. All her like enrichment and stuff is through training, through play. So she's obviously absolutely obsessed with the ball. Um, but I've done a lot of work with like a flirt pole or a prey pole Um people that call it that and just teaching her like you can herd and you can do all this through play and with me you don't have to do it at the dog park or at daycare because a lot of kelpies you'll see them you'll that they'll chase the dog that's running and that ends up making a very big (laughs) fight because Mm -hmm. they're like away from me noodle doesn't herd pretty much anything because she's getting it through everything that i'm doing for her. that's awesome very good Um, and she's like she's not a working dog. Like I don't use her as like she's. Not, I'm not training her for anything. So she's just very well trained in like being a companion animal. So she's got all like the play command and crate train and everything like that. And that's all I need her for. So I think she finds a lot of fulfillment in all of the play and things that I do for her because I'm not like I'm not trying to walk her and make her be like we're going to go for a walk. She hates going for walks. Like Mm. lead is like her least favorite thing. She's always off lead unless needed to be on lead because she's done reliable recalls. I've worked on that as a part of her enrichment and things like that. I think like the biggest thing I found with getting her is you don't technically need to use training as like training, I guess. You can do it having fun with your dog. Mm -hmm. So like, she will just run around and then I'll like blow a whistle and she'll come back and I'll mark a reward. Like we're not technically training. Like I'm not like we're gonna do this and you're gonna get this outcome. She's exploring and then I'm just recalling. And then I might ask for a sit or a drop. Like it doesn't have to be boring. Oh, I have to train the dog type of thing. Like mm. have Looks like
2: run. you know, Luke said he just went to the gym and he may um you may think, oh, I can't be bothered going to the gym, but once you finish the gym, you feel so good and you feel enriched by it or if you sign up at any sort of class or anything that you do as extracurricular has, should be enjoyable and also should be um, there to develop you mentally and physically, and that's what you're trying to say, which is so good for everybody to hear because we're that's the biggest message that we try to get out there for everyone is that's what all of this is about. Training is about having fun, educating your yeah. dogs, but also fulfilling them for what they will actually Mm. designed to be doing so that's awesome
0: yeah and like obviously like every dog needs a job it's not just the kelpies or the border collies mm. or the broadies and things like that it's it's the cavoodles it's the sausages mm-hmm. it's all of those dogs that all, they've all been bred for a purpose mm-hmm. you've just got to do a little bit of research and find what makes them tick yeah um and then obviously a lot of the behaviors that you see like the bottom barking and things like that will dissipate because they're getting enriched. Like enrichment is like the biggest part of dog training that I try and get through to clients. I'm like do more with them and the less you'll have to do pretty much.
1: Mm. <laughs> Just, you should be the most yeah. interesting thing to your dog. And, and, mm. and I think exactly. like the word training gets
0: like, yeah.
1: over overthought as well. Like training doesn't yeah. have to be this massive, like I've got to spend half an hour setting this up and doing this and that. It's like you literally like, you know, and I don't really bowl, I don't bowl feed shadow, but like if it's if I'm feeling a bit lazy or something, or it's like really early in the morning and he's, he's got to eat anyway, I'll let it just be like bed and he's like on the bed. I'm just like, yes. And I give him the bowl. It's like mm-hmm. one rep. It's like it doesn't have to be this massive thing. Do you know what I mean? He's still on yeah. his food.
0: Exactly. And I think that's the biggest like issue is like a lot of people see training as like a chore. Like, mm. oh, I have to train the dog. Oh, I have to do it. Like, it's not like you can literally incorporate it into your life like mm-hmm. teaching the dog to wait at the door while you walk out the door yes here have some kibble or mm. wait before you jump into the like it's all inside your life yeah just do it that way instead of being like oh from four till 4 30 i need to train mm. the dog yeah like, if
1: you work it into the 24 hours or the you know 16 you hours or whatever that you're awake you don't have to overthink it too much
0: yeah and that's the biggest thing is trying to train like clients that Training isn't a bad thing. It's literally just everyday life. Once what I say in. to
2: my clients is like, Look, training is here while I'm here. I'm teaching you how to do things. Now it's up to you to just incorporate this as part of your life. As you said, it's yeah. a it's a thing you do. You don't think, oh, I have to eat, man. What the hell? Because you <laughs> yeah, eat because totally. you gotta eat, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. you walk because you gotta walk and you should find it enjoyable. But also it, it is, it's a it's a mental thing because we in this world we don't have to do anything. You know, one thing that I was thinking about the other day is that you know we don't have to do much as people that live in we'll talk about sydney because we live in sydney Northern. is that we, we don't have to do much to have shelter food and water mm. like we that will happen to you regardless of how lazy or incompetent you are um which is a bad thing because that is some that comfort has been something that our forefathers have tried so hard for us to have but it's a thing that is working against us and making us so unhappy or unfulfilled is that, you know, you should work out, you should have a, a a stimulating job and tend to your responsibilities because life without meaning has no meaning. And then what's, and then that's what creates more suffering and that's both for humans, but also for our dogs as well. Yeah. And, um and trying to tell that to people without making it so daunting. So you have to make it enjoyable and fun and also, you know, and, you know you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink basically mm, yeah. so you know um and as you as luke was saying before that you know he saw the the owners um having their situation down at the coffee shop is that one thing you learn over so, so some time is that you say nothing and you give no advice unless you've been asked otherwise you're going to burn yourself out Trying to tell everyone you need you're that guy's like, Yeah, man, I never asked you, get the hell out of here, yeah. you know. And um, and we addressed that in a couple of episodes ago, talking about, you know, um, if somebody needs help, wait for them to ask for the help rather yeah. than trying to put when it down the student's
1: ready, the teacher appears. That's what they say,
2: right? So <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And it's a tough one for us motivated people, you know, because we're like, but you can make your life better. And they're like, I don't want to make it better, I like it. And you're like, but my dog's happy chasing flies, and it's like, but he's like kind of not gonna ever catch a fly properly and get any real fulfillment like i saw a dog just yesterday deemed menacing by the council he's escaped the the property and killed a cat and now he has he's been forced to be doing training which is fine does he have Um, to wear the collar now the collar the muzzle he's got this enclosure that's like literally like it looks like a tiger can live in it he's done such a good job enclosing this dog is a wolfhound um and i told him i go man your dog was designed to to hunt and now because you're not having given him a job or giving him any fulfillment he's literally chasing flies and dragonflies and he didn't know how to focus to do a sit he's three years old and he didn't didn't have the capacity in his head to follow a lure because first of all there was a whole pile of food ready for him for free buffet, anyway yeah. so what's the point of working but you now know, you
1: hear like you're like can, can you motivate my dog i'm like the motivation's free on the ground and he
2: doesn't want yeah. it yeah like, you know and it's it's about now, me not saying hey dumbass, what's wrong with you it's about going look obviously he doesn't understand how do we make this something and people have to find and see and i guess that's one difference between doing the board and train and then you know being there right from the beginning teaching and training the owner is that people can see the result from the board and train they're like oh my god i didn't even know my dog could do that especially being yeah. there for two or three weeks is that they see this massive improvement in the dog and then that's where maybe that could be a good, mo- maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that that could be a good motivation for people to see that, well, when you put the time and effort in, this is what you get. Um, you know, you want a six pack where you got to like do sit ups. Uh, yes. You know, and, and then maintain it too. Otherwise you'll lose no, it. No so milkshakes. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> yeah.
0: That's yeah. Like one of my biggest thing that I tell people, like I'm always like, you don't go to the gym once and get abs. Like mm-hmm. you go every day and then you change your diet and you change your lifestyle, and you have to do all this to be fit and healthy. Like it's not just going to happen overnight with your dog. Like mm-hmm. we can get it to where it needs to be, but it still needs to be trained every day through you as well. Otherwise, they you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. so
1: and and like making it a sustainable change as well, like, because, Like you're saying, you're using the gym analogy. Like, if you're like, yeah, I'm going to go and work out for like an hour, six days a week, like that's not going to happen. And if you said the same thing about like, oh, cool. So I'm going to be training my dog like five times a day for like 10 minutes each time. And I'm going to buy all this equipment and do all this stuff. It's like, just make it manageable. You know, do short little sessions. Existential food's a big thing. Your dog's going to eat those calories anyway. Like, people hate that, right? Divide the (laughs) like, but but like I said, you could literally do one, you could literally do one rep. Or two reps with the food, and and that's call out that a training session. They're going to eat that food anyway.
0: Yeah, it, it's I,
2: excitement. I, People want excitement from their dogs, and this is like we we talked about this in at length. You know, asking the question: Why do we have dogs? What is the if you're not using a dog for any specific purpose? What the hell was the point of even having a dog? And it's a question ornament. Yeah, it's a but, but also there's there's lots to it, and I guess we can get into that at some stage. Um, maybe maybe not, but it's it's um. I guess there's so many factors to it, but people want the excitement. I guess people want the, the, um, the lack of response. Like we work and we try so hard doing this and that and managing my whole life. I just want something that's excited to see me, jumps on me, gives me a bit of free love. Um, but then just that excitement, if that's our goal in life, just excitement, it's a bad goal to have. Just like, just like happiness is probably a bad goal to have. You should have fulfillment, you know, and if we can learn that from our dogs, that's one thing I've learned in the time working with dogs is, I'm fully engaging my animals and teaching people mind and body, mind and body. Um, I have to apply that in my own life. And it's, it's a big lesson that, that I try to teach everybody. And um, it's so good that you said that without having prompt to say it, because if anyone's listening and listen to our episodes, is that the more that we ask our guests the same question, it's always the same answer. And it's so good. So then people can, especially if you're not too informed about what to do with dogs, is that that's a really powerful um, lesson and meaning.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, like I just, it's just obviously so hard with people that get dogs and they're like, I want it to do X, Y, and Z, but they don't want to put the time into it. And as like dog trainers yourself, you would see that a lot, which can be frustrating, but then you've got to understand, like they see all of the dogs on the shows, like the Beagles and the German Shepherds that are doing all of the cool stuff and I'm like that's because those dogs are very well trained <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't just come like that you've got to actually put in the effort so the biggest thing I say to clients is like I technically don't train my dog every day like I'm not going to lie to you and be like I go home and train my dog 100% no but I do make sure that she does something in the day that's going to stimulate her and obviously unlock the food because she doesn't get fed out of a bowl half the time but if she I don't have time. I will feed her out of a bowl, but I'll do like sit, drop, stand, spin, yeah. do anything. Like it doesn't have to touch whatever. There's your food that, like, it doesn't have she to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. She still did something for it, even though it was like tiny and it may not have been what she's usually used to, which then is like, it's like a cheap day for us at the gym. Like, mm. We may not do, say, a gym session, but we might go for a walk or do something like that. So we just need to make sure that clients or anyone listening to this that don't get hung up with you have to train your dog every day, like hard style boot camp, hectic training, unlike obviously there's trainers out there that do it, like Kristen. If you've ever seen Kristen's training, she is so dedicated to training her dog. It's insane. And I admire it. Like I'm like, oh my god, that's like you're a whole new level. But <laughs> her, like, she has a dog that needs it as well. Like she yeah, has she's a Malley. Yeah, it's not a normal breed <laughs> that you would have in the house. So don't get hung up on. Oh my mm. god, like dogs too much work. I'm just going to rehome it or put it in the rescue. Well, <laughs>
1: because you she know can- that, that. Yeah, that's another <laughs> thing. Actually, like on the breeds, like. Um- I remember you saying, Kano, at the at NDTF, um, you know, when you get a client in, whether it's a group or a private, and, and you're like, cool, you know, you've got a XYZ dog. Tell me what was this dog bred for? And they're like, uh, and you're like, go outside and Google like the origin yeah. of this breed because you need to understand like, it if you're gonna live with this animal.
0: hundred percent. Like you need to know what, like what it was bred for. Yeah. And like a lot of the time they're like cuddles, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Very, very cute, but get outside and Google it. Like, Do it now. I, yeah, like I'm like, go do it because I need to know that you understand like this dog was bred for a purpose. It's not just bred for you to cuddle, mm. which yes, dogs are great to cuddle, but they all need, like we all need something. Yeah. And so dogs, like at the end of the day, they didn't get asked to be bought. They didn't yeah. be asked to be bred and things like that. So you've taken on the... Like initiative to buy the dog, then you have to do the right thing. Yeah,
1: right. to honor it. Mm. Yeah, yeah we just sure. did an episode on that, choosing a breed. Like, it's a big thing, right? You got
2: to
0: understand. You got to take, just...
1: in, take into consideration your, your circumstances.
0: Like, my, as my mate I say, asked like,
2: yesterday, he goes, Oh, we wanted to get a dog and blah, blah, blah. And look, and I wasn't discouraging him at all. But at the end, towards the end of the conversation, I'm like, You can also get a cat. Like, you know, like, and and I wasn't even being a smart ass. I'm like, look, listen to the episode. By the end of the week, give me a top three because he was asking what breed should I have in the circumstances. And look, they've had dogs before. It's not like they're negligent, Mm. but maybe in the situation they're in now, maybe they don't actually need the dog. Mm. Um, Maybe looking for that
1: companionship. they'll, they'll that shit, nail it yeah.
2: they'll do good but I think Nothing as wrong well, with a cat. They, they don't maybe they don't need a dog but maybe they need a cat or maybe they don't need a dog and maybe in three years time they'll be ready for it like when their everyone
0: at my work is like they've all got two dogs or a very like high working drive dog and I'm like that's like they're like get another puppy and like I'd love to get another like Kelpie puppy but at the end of the day I do I have time
2: they're a lot of work like, don't even get me started
0: <laughs> like puppies like as I said not my favorite thing in the world but like it would be great mm. for Noodle to have a friend but she goes to daycare she has all of the dogs at You're work that yeah, yeah. Like, I don't like I don't need it just because everyone's like you should get a puppy like mm.
2: not- this is kind of a sad reality but it's true is that we know like so for example Nookie might one of my little dogs Maltese Pomeranian yeah. she's um very high drive right she's intense however You can tell if I've slackened off, you know, and I've only just given like the bare basics. You can tell when she's jacked and she's like, I need to. And I'm like, okay, cool. Obviously, we need to do a training session. You can see it. But most people's reality is their dog's always in that mindset. So like, oh, no, she's always neurotic. And like when you start to see neurosis or a little bit of the uncomfortability and you can see she's kind of um, needing it. Um, and just the same with me, like I've done surgery on my knee. And when I feel if I haven't done any, you know, like of the exercises for like three or four days, it starts, that pain starts to come back. And I'm like, oh, that's the cue that you should be. And as soon as I do the exercise, nothing crazy, just a couple of body weight stuff Mm -hmm. and pain's gone. And I'm like, oh, I have to remind myself again, no matter how busy you are and how stressed you feel Mm -hmm. is that you got to do that to keep that pain at bay so you can have strength mental or physical, whatever it is. And especially people that you know that are equipped and understanding that and seeing it so much day in, day out, is that we're doing things to prevent neurosis where most people are trying to fix neurosis once it's already gone out of hand. And uh, I think that's another thing as well, especially with your high, high end, um, high energy dogs as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, it's yeah, it's just one of those things I guess like you as Luke was saying, you can obviously lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So it's just trying to show people like you You don't want them to get to that point where they're just like crazy. Because like how many times do people say, oh, Kelpies are insane? And you're like, not all Kelpies are insane, no. the ones that are getting what they like. Noodle is Definitely. like the most chilled Kelpie in the world mm-hmm. that I've ever met, but that's because she gets what she's needed. And mm-hmm. I also had that perception that like, working breeds like kelpies and malinois and all that were like way too hard to handle but when you read like read into it and look at what they need once they get it they're exactly the same as like your low energy type
1: shadow sleeps most of the day like if i put him in the yeah. crate he goes to sleep he's conditioned to sleep in there he'll he fight it for about a minute stuff. and a half mm. he'll like he rubs himself on, on the crate and then he just lies down and goes to sleep I'm like cool bro sleep like it's sleep time. You, you can hang the, out, you can hang out, out um, with us, or he'll, he'll be awake exactly. in the crate, yeah. and he can see us. He's not separated mm-hmm. from us. He's in the living room, and wow. he's just happy to be in there. So, no, like, yeah. um, and to experience that, like, I'm a, a massive, massive fan of of crate training now. Like, mm. it's it's yes, it's. Prices. I would assume. I mean, I don't know because I haven't not trained. I don't have another shadow that I haven't crate trained, but I feel like it's, it it keeps him, just keeps him out of trouble in the house. You know, it's much easier for me to put him in there with a couple of toys than to chase him around the house being like, no, 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 don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't piss there. Don't do this. Don't jump on that. Don't bite the couch. You know, Mm -hmm. he's happy in the couch.
2: I mean, how many people they say like oh you you're a chill guy I'm like I think I have ADD I swear yeah. I'm like always doing shit but because I'm so in, like and maybe I, maybe not everyone thinks I'm chill who knows um but because I'm I'm fulfilling myself all the time maybe because I feel like I have to and I have quite a bit on my plate at, at the best of times but because i'm always active and getting like twenty thousand steps in a day anyway mm. is that when you do get to see me in a social situation I'm, I'm taking the edge off anyway mm. and you know it's the same with our dogs as well like you know our kelpies and stuff maybe most yeah. kelpies have that um image
1: because your average owner doesn't know how to handle mm. do you know what i mean yeah. not, so that do yeah. they get the bad rep because the the typical owner or whatever, quote unquote typical, is like not giving them that enrichment. So the kelpies mm-hmm. you see out and about are like chasing like bikes about- and yeah, running all over the place. It's like, Hyper well, entrant, they're probably yeah. not getting that enrichment, that biological they're like, fulfillment.
0: They're obviously doing it for a reason. They're not just
1: this
0: mm. is bred to chase bikes. That's <laughs> what they're bred to do, but I'm sure exactly. they do That's
1: for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, Kana. Uh obviously tell the people where they can find you, you know, Canine Evolution, Pet Resorts, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yep. So um, obviously we have Instagram and Facebook, Canine Evolution, um, and it's like spelt canine, not just the canine. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Pet Resorts has Facebook and Instagram. uh, um, And then obviously just give us a call. We have our own website, which is canineevolution.com.au. Um, And then you'll have the drop down of wherever we are um, able to train at, things like that. But I'm the one that's always on the Facebook and the Instagram. So if you want to get in contact through Messenger and things like that, I'm always answering the messages and things like that on that. So
1: So, so if people want to book a uh, lesson with you up at Dural or Terrigal or wherever they can do that. through
0: I'll go anywhere. So if you need it on the northern beaches, Central Coast, anywhere. And
1: you do in-home privates
2: as well if they want you to, if they want to pay for that and have you travel there, they can do that as well.
0: Yeah, we can do all that for them.
2: It's been really, really cool conversation. We haven't had a sit-down and had had an in-depth conversation um, before. Obviously, we've seen each other quite a few times um, here and there, but it's been a real good pleasure. And thanks heaps, Yeah,
0: Thank you for having me, and I'll hopefully see you both soon.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll do. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Kana. thank you for listening to another show of life with your dog please like rate and share if you're enjoying our podcast you can also find us on instagram facebook and youtube for all dog training videos tips and techniques visit nutrispooches.com.au thank you and stay tuned for next time